Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. I'm Dylan Tyre, and this is Believe in Ohio State. Another week of Believe in Ohio State. Very happy and excited to have you with me this week to talk about the Ohio State defense heading into the 2020 season. This is our 2020 defensive preview. We're going to get an all-encompassing look at the Ohio State defense. Guys you know about, guys you haven't yet heard about, is I'm going to be joined by Buckeye Sports Bulletin's Wyatt Crocher. So the second time that we're going to be joined by Wyatt on this podcast, he was our first ever guest on Believe in Ohio State. I loved what he offered that time. I loved what he talked about the first time we had him on. So I had to have him back this week because I trust his opinion on Ohio State football. Frankly, I love what he has to say about Ohio State football, so we're going to have a very good conversation about the Ohio State defense, give you a look at the Ohio State defense heading into this season. And with that in mind, next week we're going to talk about the Ohio State offense. The following week, I'm going to talk about some betting for Ohio State going into the season, season totals for the team, season totals for the players, so we're going to get an opportunity to make some money, hopefully, with all those picks. And then the following week, it will be Nebraska week. We're going to give you a full game preview, Ohio State versus Nebraska. So that's what we've got to look forward to these next couple of weeks. But before we get into anything with Wyatt Crozier, I've got to talk to you about betonline.ag. Because remember, the wait is finally over. Football is back right now. Ohio State not yet back on the field playing games, but football is back and the Buckeyes are almost back. And while you might not be able to be at the games this year, you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. And I'm red hot right now with my picks. I hope you've been trailing these past couple of weeks. Last week I went five and one on my NFL picks. This week I went five and two. So I'm hoping to stay hot for you guys this week. Make sure to stay tuned because I'm going to provide my picks for you this week, my NFL picks, at the end of the episode after I talk to Wyatt. So we've got all that to look forward to. But Bet online is where it's at. You got to be getting your money in at Bet Online because they've got game spreads and totals. They've also got team, player, and coaching props. 
they've got everything, even stuff with the election coming up. Obviously, we've got the debates going on right now, the election coming up. You can even make money on that sort of stuff. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any other place online, so make sure to get online and use Bet Online. They've always got their online casino as well. That never closes. So if you're not a sports betting guy, not a sports betting gal, get online to their online casino. Make a little bit of money that way. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all their great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So why don't we just get right to it? Let's not waste any time, as right now I'm happy to be joined once again by Wyatt Crozier of Buckeye Sports Bulletin. Okay, I am very, very excited and happy to welcome back to Believe in Ohio State, Wyatt Crozier, the first guest that we've ever had back on this podcast. And as I just said to him off the air, I felt like it was only fitting because Wyatt was the first ever guest we had on Believe in Ohio State And we had him because at that point, we thought we were maybe going to have Ohio State football. It looked like things were going in the right direction. So I wanted to have him on and actually talk about the football aspect of everything. Well, now that we know we finally are going to play this season, we're just under a month away now. I wanted to have Wyatt back because on these next couple of episodes, we're going to go over the Ohio State defense, the Ohio State offense. We're going to go over some betting stuff for season totals for players and then finally we're going to go over week one against Nebraska leading up to that game so this week it's going to be all about the Ohio State defense and let's get right into it now Wyatt there are a lot of questions about the Ohio State defensive line and that's a position group there frankly haven't been really any questions about the past what five or six seasons maybe beyond that pretty much since Larry Johnson's been here right (laughs) exactly And that's kind of where my question stems from. Why are there questions on the defensive line going into this season? Why are we not talking about Zach Harrison, who was an all-world recruit, just like Nick Bosa, just like Chase Young? Why are we not talking about him like we talked about those guys? Yeah, I think it's. I think there's questions this year because you lose a guy like Chase Young who, yeah, you lost Bosa's in the past, but, I mean, Chase Young was also, I think, like a whole other animal. But even past that, I think on the in the inside you lose guys like Jay Sean Cornell, Devon Hamilton, and Robert Landers who took up a bulk of the snaps in the middle. And those guys maybe aren't as flashy as someone like a Chase Young, but they, they bring so much in that middle. And Devon Hamilton was really impressive down the stretch. I was very impressed with how he, how he developed last year. So I think losing those three guys is like losing a big part of your core in the middle. But I also think, like you said, like you bring in Zach Harrison, who's coming into his sophomore season. You still have Jonathan Cooper, which is huge for the line to come back for his fifth season. And there's still guys in the middle that got pretty reasonable amounts of snaps last year because Larry Johnson likes to rotate them a lot. So there are more questions, but I don't think this is a weak point by any means for this defense. Yeah, you bringing up a guy like Devon Hamilton makes a lot of sense. I thought he was fantastic last season. And Robert Landers, I feel like, is a very underrated loss Mm -hmm. as well. I think maybe, you know, he's kind of a guy that you see on the field, and he's a a short guy, a bigger guy, maybe not not the prototype for that position. So you laugh a little bit, and you're like, oh, that guy's awesome. He's obviously a fan favorite, but he also plays good football too. Mm -hmm. So that could be a big loss for Ohio State. But tell me about Teron Vincent, because he's a name – that I see continuing to come up that he might be a key cog in the middle for Ohio State this season. He's a guy we haven't really seen a whole lot. 
Yeah. And just to bring on the Robert Landers point, I think that's probably why he wasn't drafted was the size more than anything else. Cause I think he is just, he's fun to watch the way he plays because of that. But yeah. And about Teron Vincent, he was hurt all of last year. So we didn't get to see him. He's a five-star prospect. So he's got a lot of potential, obviously it's just, and especially now with, um, I guess you could say the uncertainty of Haskell Garrett after that whole situation. Um, they, I don't know. I know they're saying he's moving faster than they thought, but I don't know when the possible timetable for that could be. So I think with that adds a little more pressure for Teron Vincent to be that guy to step up. You have Tommy Togiai on the, as the other probably main defensive tackle to look at, but Teron Vincent's going to need to immediately likely pick up a starting role for this defense if he, if they don't want to miss a beat from last year. So obviously a five-star recruit, a guy with a ton of talent, are there any reservations about Teron Vincent for you going into the season? Or is he just one of those guys that, you know, He's, he's part of that stellar depth for Ohio State that always seems to just fill in the gaps whenever they're there. Do you expect kind of a fluid transition for him, or are there any reservations for you? It's hard to say because it's because he was hurt all of last year. It's, hard, it, it's, it's just if he recovered fully, if he's able to just go right back into it. I know I think he said after, like in the, during bowl week, I think he said he'd be 100% by the spring. I haven't heard anything about him really since as far as health we don't really get to talk to Larry Johnson very much sadly um but he's he's gonna be one of those guys that needs to be able to step in right away and that's sometimes hard to do when you miss a full season even with all that talent so that would be the only reservation I have is maybe he takes a little bit to get into it but he has all the talent in the world to be even better than some of those guys last year so that defensive line right now probably looks like Jonathan Cooper and Zach Harrison at the ends Vincent and Tommy Togi I like you said clogging up the middle Probably Tyler Friday and Tyreek Smith we're also going to see on the ends. Like you mm-hmm. said, Larry Johnson loves to rotate. We, I mean, Jonathan Cooper and Zach Harrison might play just as much as Friday and Smith for all we know this yeah. season. Also, like you said, we don't really know where Haskell Garrett's at, but we could see him a good amount this season if his recovery is going the way they say it is. Remember, Haskell Garrett was shot in the face after uh, breaking up a fight, so a very, very strange situation there, but we wish him the best. And all the reports out of Ohio State camp right now are that Haskell Garrett is improving very quickly and does have a pretty good chance to play this season, it sounds like. But is there anybody that I'm missing or is there anybody that might contribute that I haven't mentioned? Or are those guys or are there some of those guys that I just mentioned that you think might surprise us, play a little bit more than we think, might be better than we think? Um, as far as players missed, um, I think Javante John-Baptiste will also be in that rotation. I think he's one of those guys that has, like, the build of like, he could be a star. Like, you look at him, you're like, wow, that dude could be a, a monster. Um, I think he just got to put it all together. I do think Tyreek Smith and Tyler Friday are probably are above him, but I expect to see Javante John-Baptiste a decent amount. Um, looking at, like, last year for, like, snaps um and by the way any snap counts I talk about is because of Dan Hope doing them at 11 Warriors I just want to give the shout out there because I don't know how he does it but he has all the snap counts um like Antoine Jackson that's a lot of tape right there right I I could never do that um Antoine Jackson like he had 200 snaps last year like that just shows the rotation that that inside on the defensive line they have Jerron Cage saw some time so I think those guys may see just a little bit more than last year Zade Hamden didn't get a lot of chance last year but I think he's one of those guys that he might develop and become another key piece of that rotation in I think inside there could be a lot of movement as there was last year no one really played a ton on the inside even for how good those top three were um 
but yeah, I mean, I don't know about the freshman on the defensive line. I feel like that's one where they're going to, they're going to have to take some time more than a Zach Harrison. I don't think there's a Zach Harrison type necessarily in this group. Um, but I do think it's still a very solid group that'll develop, but I think, I think you pretty much hit all the, all the key guys. And, and a positive out of that, you mentioned maybe more rotation on the defensive line than we're normally used to. That means fresher bodies out there, whereas Ohio state might not be as talented on the defensive line as they have been in the past. And that's not to say they're, they're not talented this season, but maybe not as much in the past with so many star players, their first round picks all over the the defensive line. Guys are going to be healthier. Guys are going to be fresher out there. So that might be a positive for Ohio state as well. So that'll do it for the defensive line. Now let's move to the linebackers. And there's not a whole lot to talk about, I don't think, with the linebackers because essentially everybody is back from last year. All the starters are back. Baron Browning, Pete Warner, Tuff Borland. It has been a group that's that's been a little bit difficult at times when it comes to pass coverage, maybe not as athletic a linebacking group as you would want, specifically Tuff Borland. But what do you expect from the Ohio State linebacking core this season? I think what will be interesting is I believe it looks like um, Malik Harrison is going to be replaced probably by Baron Browning. I think Browning will probably move to the outside to replace what Malik Harrison's missing. And Malik Harrison was really good last year. He was, he, he, he was my breakout candidate last yeah. season. You know, everybody's, everybody's <laughs> trying to pick somebody. And I was like, I think Malik Harrison playing that spot is going to get a ton of tackles. And obviously he was good. Yeah. Not to toot my own horn. <laughs> he was so solid last year. So I think that's going to be a big thing is can Baron Browning go in there and kind of replace what he did? And I think he can. Every time he's played, he's shown a ton of talent. He He's very explosive in a lot of the ways. Like when he makes a play, you you know. You can, you can very much tell by how he plays. Um, I do think that Pete Warner showed a lot of impressive ability to kind of play that sort of bullet-ish spot that they wanted last year. Um, I, may, I don't know if they're going to continue to put him there. I assume they will. Um, but yeah, I think that this is, this is probably the most like solid and secure group that they have compared to, you know, D line or, or defensive backs. They have some interesting guys in, on, as in, in the rotation, maybe like a Taraja Mitchell, Dallas Gantt, even Justin Hilliard is back for a sixth year. So they have some depth there as well. So I think it's, I think it's the most solid group that you can probably find on the defense. Let's circle back to Baron Browning because he was an all world recruit, a five-star coming to Ohio state. He hasn't really found a spot yet. He's been kind of in and out of the rotation, playing different spots at linebacker for Ohio State. Like you said, he's an athletic freak. He looks the part. He shows flashes of being like a definite first-round linebacker. He has that type of body, that type of athleticism. But why hasn't it clicked yet for Baron Browning? Is it a mental thing? Is it just the inability to to find a spot? I'm certainly not going to be the one to say like um, I know more than the coaches because I'm sure they had a good reason for this, but I just never understood why they tried to put Baron Browning in the middle as opposed to being an outside back. He just seems like more of an outside linebacker type. He has the speed. He can, he can go as like an edge rusher. He's, I just seemed, seemed like he was more built to be an outside linebacker. And I think that may have stopped him. I know they like tough bowling a lot in the middle. So he's had to kind of alternate with him. I think that Baron Browning certainly has a lot more of a ceiling than a tough Borland, but I think they just liked the, maybe the security or the consistency that tough Borland brings and the leadership. Um, but I think if Baron Browning is moving into Malik Harrison's spot, this could be that time for him to be able to explode, to be able to be that breakout, like you said, of a first round looking sort of guy, um, because he definitely has that ability in him. 
Well, tell me about Tuff Borland a little bit because he's been a little bit of an enigma in the middle for Ohio State because he's, what, only the second sophomore captain in Ohio State history other than JT Barrett. You're like, okay, this guy is going to be an absolute stud. But it feels like he hasn't really gotten better since that time where he's he's that cog in the middle. He makes tackles, but he's not the most athletic guy. He's obviously a fantastic leader. Is he just kind of what you want at middle linebacker and nothing more than that? Or is there something that maybe I'm missing? I think that's probably that's probably about <laughs> what I would say as well. He's he definitely has like you know he has the leadership that they like. I think he makes the plays when they're not, I don't want to say right to him. That's not fair. But he do, he doesn't have a lot of lateral quickness. We all know that. He he had an injury, a, a serious leg injury, and I think that's a lot stifled a lot of that lateral quickness that he possibly could have had. So I think like when the plays are up the middle or he has to make a play there, he does it. He doesn't really have a problem with that. But he doesn't have the speed to kind of make those flashy plays, make the plays that someone maybe like a Baron Browning could. So I think at middle linebacker, he's – he's serviceable. Certainly he's a, he's a good, he's decent there. I think that if they wrote, they might try to rotate someone like a Taraja Mitchell in, I don't know, but I think that there is room to potentially improve in the middle if they did like move away from tough, but I know they like his leadership a lot. They've made that very clear how important he is to the team off the field. So I don't know how much you'll see of, of backups in that middle position. I do think that there is kind of a, a lower ceiling for him certainly than a lot of other players. All right, the last guy that I'm going to ask you about, and you talked about him very briefly, is Justin Hilliard. Because when he came to Ohio State, he was the number one linebacker recruit in the nation. And a lot of expectations come with that. You expect him to get on the field almost immediately and be a huge impact player. But Justin Hilliard has barely seen the field at Ohio State, and a lot of that has to do with injuries. He's, he's fought through it at Ohio State. Yeah. But he was named a captain this offseason, first-time captain coming into this year. Obviously, he means a lot to this team off the field for everything that he's been through. The leadership is there for Justin Hilliard. But when it comes to on the field this season, what do you expect his role to be for Ohio State? Is he going to be that gadget linebacker that kind of fills in like Baron Browning has been the past couple of seasons? Or do you think he's going to get an opportunity here? I hope he does. Um, yeah. And it's, it was interesting to hear him talk in the spring when we, before everything shut down, I think he said this was like the second spring he's been healthy for in his time here in six years. Yeah. And then he didn't even get that spring. <laughs> so he's only had one spring in his whole time here. Um, but yeah, he's just went through so much with injuries. I, I, I do really feel for him. And I think, I think he's going to have a chance to at least be a part of the rotation. You would think. Um, he saw some time last year, like you said, it wasn't that much. He had that really nice interception to, to kind of seal it against Penn State. Um, I don't see him being a guy that you're going to start. Obviously, I don't, I don't know how much they're going to use. I think at some points they used four linebackers last year, and that's kind of when he saw some time. Um, I think he will see more time than last year. I think it's going to be a, a, like a sizable role, but I don't see him being a guy who's going to get you know, 40, 30, 40 snaps a game. If an injury happens, is he the guy for you that would come in and play somewhere? Or is it one of those younger guys? Because they obviously have a lot of talent yeah. in that linebacker room, but is he the I would guy? Imagine, I would imagine it'd be him because of all the experience he has. I mean, you've been there for six years. They, he knows a lot about what they want to do. Um, I would imagine it'd be him. Maybe on the inside, you might see Taraja Mitchell instead if it was a tough one injury. But if it was an outside guy, I would imagine Hilliard would be the, the first man up. It sucks that he can't mold his body and just become a safety because if Ohio State could move like a, a, a well-seasoned veteran like Justin Hilliard <laughs> back to safety and add some right. experience to the, to the defensive backfield, that would be great this season. But 
what Ohio State maybe lacks in athletic ability at the linebacker position outside of Baron Browning, they definitely make up for in smarts and experience. All senior linebackers are going to be the starters this season, so that's huge for Ohio State. But now let's move to the biggest question on Ohio State's defense, where there is next to no experience outside of Sean Wade, who is approved to play this season now, so that's great news for Ohio State. But the secondary is obviously the biggest unknown heading into this 2020 campaign. You've got the one starter back in Sean Wade. Even he is moving positions, moving from the slot corner to uh, to outside. You don't expect that's going to be much of uh, much of a change. Too difficult for Sean Wade, a first round cornerback. Almost guaranteed that he's going to be a first round cornerback. Could potentially be the first cornerback off the board in uh, the next NFL draft. But outside of Sean Wade. How are things going to shake out in the defensive backfield? If you could give me like a, a snapshot in your brain of what the defensive back's depth chart is going to look like going into this season. I think that that second, like the, the, the other outside corner is going to be interesting. I think I would give it to seven banks currently. I think there's a chance it might be Marcus Williamson or Cam Brown. Um, and I think one of those two guys is going to be the third corner that they like to use. Um, I would I would probably go seven banks and then Marcus Williamson um, would would do what Sean Wade did last year. If already that's like it's it's very much could be up in the air. It could be Cam Brown. I think Tyreek Johnson even has like an outside chance. Um, and then and then it's going to be Josh Proctor. I think is going to try to fill that Jordan Fuller position. And the way I describe Josh Proctor is like the anti Jordan Fuller. And because Jordan Fuller was as consistent as a guy as you'll see on the defense, he was just solid all three years. He was a starter. You could really count on him as a safety net. And Josh Proctor is super flashy in how he seems to play safety. He'll go for the interception. He'll make some crazy plays. And I think he has a ton of talent, but I expect that means he'll also miss a couple plays and maybe be a little bit of a liability sometimes. I think he's immensely talented and could be, could be great back there, but I think you're going to see a little bit more up and down, whereas Jordan Fuller, it was like, you, you just knew what you get. That's what we saw with Josh Proctor a couple of seasons ago when he got got some playing time. He was back there, and you're like, okay, this guy has clear talent <laughs> yeah. where where he can make plays, he can make some big hits, but it became very clear that at that point in his Ohio State career, he was too much of a liability to have back there, so they made some changes. And to your point with Jordan Fuller, it's like he was a six-round pick by the Rams, and he's starting back right. there, and he's a, a huge piece of the Rams' defense already as a rookie in the NFL. So that just kind of tells you the player that Jordan Fuller was and, and what Ohio State is replacing in that defensive backfield, and they're replacing a lot. But tell me about Marcus Williamson, because he's likely that guy – that you said is going to take over for Sean Wade in the slot. And that's going to be a big role playing some of these teams in the Big Ten who have stellar athletes coming out of the slot. He was a big-time recruit for Ohio State, but like a lot of the guys we've already talked about, Teron Vincent, Justin Hilliard, he's had trouble staying on the field so far with injuries. We've, frankly, barely seen him outside of some garbage time at times. But do you think that he can take over that role? He's definitely a different body than Sean Wade. He's Five foot nine, five foot ten, 180 pounds, whereas Sean Wade's six one, about 195. So can Marcus Williamson do it? Yeah, and what I was checking was I thought he was one of the IMG guys that they got. It seems like they've been getting an IMG Academy guy every year. Uh, but Marcus Williamson, even Kerry Combs said that when he talked to us like last week, he was like, I usually like the 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 lanky corner, the lanky athletic. Yeah, clearly, corner. that's what Ohio State has always. And yeah, Marcus Williamson, as you said, is five ten. Like that's not what he is, and I think they just like him a lot. I think he's impressed in, in camp, is what it sounds like, and he's a senior, which I think is maybe big this year when you have 
a bit of an unknown at that position. You might trust a guy more who's just been there longer, who's been through this. I think I think that's going to like play a big factor how much experience he has even with the injuries just to just to have been there that long and as you said he has been just a, he's a very talented guy and that's what that's what they know. Um, I'm curious to see how much he's going to get. I think he very very likely could be a starter for this for this defense and it's it'll go against their norm but I think I think he has the talent to kind of overcome that that length they usually like. Seven Banks and Cam Brown, like you said, they're going to compete for the the spot outside opposite of Sean Wade. Those guys are actually pretty proven in smaller rooms or, or in smaller roles, rather, garbage time, cornerback, um, blowout, stuff like that. Do you have any reservations about those guys? Because as goes with Ohio State, obviously a lot of talent there, just not a lot of experience. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's funny to uh to make a lot of judgments on the two two spring practices we saw, but seven banks looked good. Yeah, he's <laughs> I've I've really liked him whenever he's yeah. come in. That's why I ask. I, I'm I'm really high on him after watching him in those in camps and then like when obviously when he's come in he's looked good as well. He I think he's one of those guys that has a lot of the talent like we've been talking about and just has to prove it. I expect him I expect a big year out of him. If I were to like pick maybe like a breakout guy from this defense, it might be him. I think he could really prove himself as, as a key guy once Sean Wade leaves. Um, I, I like Seven Banks a lot. And then looking at uh, Cam Brown, he's a guy who got more, I think, more, uh, more snaps last year than Seven Banks. He got a little more of that experience. Um, I think he's, I don't know about more, is more reliable the best word. I, I guess so. I guess maybe you, you know a little bit more of what you're getting than maybe Seven Banks. Higher uh, floor, lower ceiling. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that. And I think – I think both those guys, I think Kerry Combs is also a guy who likes to rotate like Larry Johnson. I don't think it's just going to be, you're going to see three corners and no one else. You're going to, they're going to run through it a lot. So I think both of these guys are going to see a lot of time. Maybe one impresses more than the other early on, but both of them are certainly going to have to make an impact for Ohio State this year. All right. Last thing about the defense here. You said Josh Proctor will, will likely take over for Jordan Fuller. Are there any other names we need to watch out for at safety or is Josh Proctor going to be it? You're setting me up here because I've, oh. I've talked about this before. Uh, <laughs> Chase Young and uh, and who was who on? Oh, J.K. Dobbins. Yeah. That's right. Chase Young and J.K. Dobbins. What did what did they have in common last year, Dylan? They were both very good at football, and they wore the number two. Yes, they did. And Chris Olave is wearing number two this year. And who's getting it on defense? Court Williams is getting it on defense. And look, <laughs> you can say this is a dumb reason, and that's very fair. But you don't just get number two. <laughs> you don't just you, – I feel like you have to earn it. And then beyond that, he was, along with Jackson Smith and Jigba, the first uh, freshman to lose their black stripe, which shows that he's impressing. Any coach you talk to says he's going to be a future captain, which is like that's, – that's like as high as praise as a coach will ever give. Um, so I think Court Williams is a guy that if Josh Proctor maybe looks like he can be a little inconsistent, I think he might get some serious time. If you're looking at a guy who's not a freshman, Marcus Hooker, um, has also been a guy that's been talked about a lot. I think he'll, he might see some time as well. Um, I mean, Lathan Ransom was also a pretty high four-star recruit for Ohio State. I don't know if he's, I don't know where he's at in his development, but he, he's a guy to maybe look for. I just think Court Williams with that number two got the buzz going and then the black strip was like, okay, they really do buy this guy. So I'm, I'm expecting to see a, a decent amount of him in his first season. Court Williams comes from St. John Bosco, too, which is essentially the IMG of the West. St. Yes. John Bosco handed Ohio State Wyatt Davis, and he turned out pretty good. <laughs> so I'm there with you. I'm excited for Court Williams now. I'm buying the hype, especially with, uh, with the number two and the black stripe coming off early. <laughs> I, I'm eager to see Court Williams. And 
I think he's a high school linebacker moved to safety too. So yeah, that, so he can do that bullet sort of position as well. They might be trying to implement him there. Yeah, so I mean, if that tells you anything, the quick transition and the coaches already love him. So it sounds like Ohio State definitely got a good one right there. A guy that was a four-star recruit, not a five-star recruit, for if that even matters. But maybe they got a steal, in quotes, there with a four-star recruit coming to Ohio State. So we appreciate you analyzing the defense for us there, giving us all your insights on the defense. I've got a couple questions outside of the defense that maybe a little bit nonsensical to you, but the okay. first the first AP poll that includes Ohio State comes out this week and has them ranked sixth overall. Do you put any stock in that or is it kind of whatever because Ohio State hasn't played yet? Because I'll tell you my opinion first on okay. it. First, if you're going to do it, don't put Ohio State sixth because they're clearly better than four, three, four of those teams in front of them. Second, if you are going to do it, I mean, just don't rank the teams that haven't played yet. You know, I, I just don't see a point in ranking them six other than to get us talking about it. Get some yeah. run for the AP. <laughs> yeah, my answer is definitely that it does not matter because yeah. when you look at the individual polls, it's they're sixth because a lot of team, a lot of people didn't like, they still only picked the teams that had played, even though the AP said you can. Um, and then there were like some, there was one poll that had Ohio state 16th, which was my favorite because oh, it's not funny. like they're saying that they're not going to rank them, but they're just going to put them 16th, which was funny. Uh, I don't, it doesn't really matter. I don't, if you polled everybody who did that AP poll and asked them if they think Notre Dame is actually better than Ohio state, maybe one, but not certainly not the majority think that Notre Dame is better than Ohio state. And then I think it's Georgia and then Florida. It's like, yeah, I don't think it matters at this point. Once they play a game, assuming that they're, they're likely going to probably roll Nebraska, is if I were to predict. Um, they'll probably move right back up to two, um, probably have Clemson above them. But I just don't think – like it doesn't even matter when it's the final eight people because of the playoffs. So yeah. <laughs> this one definitely doesn't matter. Very good point there. And for what it's worth, I thought the SEC looked atrocious in their week one. I was I not like – Florida, not, but yeah. <laughs> I was not <laughs> impressed by anybody. I think Mississippi State might be a problem. Yes. Though. Yes, I, I liked what Mike Leach was doing. LSU looked horrible. Yeah, LSU did not look good whatsoever. And I wasn't impressed by Georgia. For I watched the first half and into the third quarter of that game, and clearly they have some quarterback issues there at Georgia. I think Auburn could upset them to yeah. this week as well. I think it's very possible. I think so too. The last thing I'll ask you here, on last week's episode, I previewed the Ohio State schedule. I gave my initial thoughts on each game, and you know, everybody, when the schedule gets released every season, they're hunting for a trap game. Which which game is the trap game for Ohio State? And it's very hard, frankly, to find a trap game this season. But, you know, 2020 is 2020. Anything could happen. It's an eight-game schedule, different than what we're used to. So I picked out one game, November 28th against Illinois. And that's at Illinois. And I picked that game because their passing attack could be dangerous this season. They've got Brandon Peters. They've got, like, four transfer wide receivers that are all very, very good that Brandon Peters has a little bit of chemistry with from last season. They've got the number one tight end recruit in the nation from two years ago, transferring in from Georgia. He's an Illinois kid. They have a pretty good offensive line, so they have weapons. And if Ohio State's inexperienced defensive backfield struggles, a game against a passing attack like what Illinois could have this season could pose an issue. So what do you think about that pick? And do you think that there is a true trap game on the Ohio State schedule this season? What's funny is I think you've sold me on Illinois more than I've ever been sold in Illinois. Because I, I was I was like looking at Illinois as like probably bottom of the West, but I, yeah. I like that selling point there. 
Um, if yeah, for, as far as trap games, I would say there isn't one. Obviously, that would that would make it a trap game when it does happen because yeah. it, you're not supposed to know. Um, I don't have the schedule in front of me, so you might have to help me with dates here. There's but no the, night games at Iowa, so no no trap <laughs> games. <laughs> the only two that I think are like maybe if these teams are better than I think. I like Indiana this year. I think Indiana is maybe. I mean, I think they're almost solidly the fourth best team in the East. I think that they might even be able to give Michigan a run for their money, depending on Joe Milton. That's kind of, that would be hot though. I would probably, I think Michigan's better. I think Indiana is a good team. I think they bring back a lot of talent. Michael Penix, I think is the real deal. I think they have a lot of good pieces. I think it's at a point in the schedule where Ohio State just has played like, is it like Rutgers and Maryland? If yes, I remember correctly, correct. that's the game coming off Rutgers and Maryland. Uh, November. Maybe they're a little 21st. too confident and they're just like, ah, it's just another crap team. And they just, I don't know. And then the other one is Michigan state, I think is on the road right before Michigan. Yep. I don't have a lot of faith. Michigan state will be good this year. Mm-hmm. I think it's just such a tough spot to put Mel Tucker in to have a really short off season, even if it was a normal year and then to not even have that off season with a team that's already been struggling. I just don't like their chances, but if he surprises and Michigan state looks good, I think right before Michigan is kind of where you can have a game that would be a trap game because of like, I don't know, 2018 Maryland when they almost lost in overtime. Yeah. Like those games happen right before Michigan when they're like overlooking the opponent. Um, but I wouldn't count on either of those. I certainly think that Ohio state is most likely going to go eight and through this. You want to hear a crazy stat when I was, yeah. when I was doing my research for the schedule last week, Michigan state, Michigan State has not beaten Ohio State in East Lansing since 1999. They've beaten them more times away from East Lansing than they have at home. Haven't they beaten them like four times in that span? Yeah, they've they've beaten them in a couple Big Ten championships okay, in okay. Columbus. Like, absolutely insane. I, I could not believe that. And for what it's worth, Indiana hasn't beaten Ohio State in like 24 seasons. So. <laughs> And they looked good last year, and they still lost by 41. So Yeah, you're right. I thought that was one of the games last season. I'm always weary of Indiana, but after the past couple of seasons, I'm like, eh, screw them. <laughs> oh, before I say uh, goodbye for good, tell us a little bit about Buckeye Sports Bulletin, where to find you, what you're doing over there, and all that good stuff. Yeah, uh, we're at BuckeyeSports.com. We also do a currently biweekly, but as soon as the football season starts, it's going to be a weekly paper. Um, we've been doing a lot of good stuff. We had to get real creative in the off season because of, because there were no sports going on. Um, currently in that, like I'm doing in my all decade team, like I go position by position each week. Um, and I've talked to, I've talked to like Randall Joyner, who's at SMU about the defensive line. I've talked to, I talked to a couple of former coaches just about that. Um, I'm just, I feel bad I'm blanking the name, the Texas running backs coach, uh, Stan Drayton. I talked to him about uh, Ezekiel Elliott. So I've been having fun with that. Um, but yeah, we're doing a weekly paper there as soon as the football season starts. And, uh, you can find us at BuckeyeSports.com or at Buckeye underscore sports on Twitter. And you can find me at, uh, W Crozier where I yell about the Cleveland Browns a lot on Twitter. <laughs> You're a great follow on Sundays for the Browns. And I've been, I've been bears trolling all season. So I'm, I, I've been how are you three and O are the bears three and O after all of this? Just wait, they're going to smash the Colts this week and, and uh, people are going to realize the bears are for real. I can't, they just, it feels like every week that I hear like complaints and they're still undefeated somehow. Yep. Because they're the cardiac kids. They can't make it easy. <laughs> I, I cannot remember the last bears game that I felt comfortable and safe watching. Same, same with the Browns. That's very, <laughs> that's very real. All right. Wyatt. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks very much again. And uh, hope to talk to you soon, man. Right. Yep. Thanks for having me.
So thanks very much again to Buckeye Sports Bulletin's Wyatt Crocher for joining me this week on Believe in Ohio State, previewing the 2020 Ohio State defense. Make sure to check out his work, Buckeye Sports Bulletin's work. They do a lot of good stuff writing about Ohio State. They also have a physical paper, like he said, that will come out every week during the season for Ohio State. So if you're interested in that, make sure to check out Buckeye Sports Bulletin. Like I said uh, before that interview, I love the work that Wyatt does. I really enjoy his thoughts, his opinion when it comes to Ohio State football. So I hope and plan to have him back again at some point on Believe in Ohio State. But that will do it for our college talk on this episode. Right now, it's time for Buckeyes in the NFL, as we do every week. Just a quick little rundown of a couple of good things that Ohio State Buckeyes in the NFL did this week. One bad note to start off, Chase Young, the number two overall pick this year by the Washington football team, unfortunately suffered a groin injury this week, week three in the NFL but it doesn't appear to be too serious. It looks like Chase Young is going to be okay, so unfortunate there for Chase, but still a good season for the number two overall pick, starting things out with a couple of sacks. And speaking of the number two overall pick, the number three overall pick this year, Jeff Okuda, cornerback for the Lions, registered his first career interception this week. A really, really nice pick for Jeff Okuda, so congratulations to him, one of many to come in the National Football League. Then over to Washington once more, Terry McLaurin, the wide receiver extraordinaire, had another big week for Dwayne Haskins and the Redskins despite losing big to the Browns. Terry McLaurin had over 80 yards receiving, so he stays hot for the second consecutive week. Staying in Ohio, Sam Hubbard had a sack and two tackles for loss. Good defensive end for the Cincinnati Bengals. And then his former defensive teammate at Ohio State, Jerome Baker, linebacker for the Dolphins, had eight tackles in Miami's first win of the season, Thursday night football against the Jacksonville Jaguars. So Jerome Baker starting things off pretty fast this season, leading that Miami defense. Is right now it's time for the picks. Make sure you are trailing me going into this week because I am scalding hot. Last week, I went 5-2. and two. The Browns beat the Washington football team by 7. Unfortunately, I lost the Raiders covering against the Patriots. The Patriots beat the Raiders by more than 7 points, so I lost that game. I won the Bengals covering against the Eagles. They tied 23-23 in overtime there. The Colts beat the Jets by 10. I won that bet. I had the Cardinals beating the Lions by 6.5. That did not happen, so that was my other loss last week. I had the Packers beating the Saints, covering those 3.5 points, hit that. Then on Monday Night Football, I had the Chiefs beating the Ravens, covering those 3.5 points, and I hit that. So I finished off last week 5-2. and two. I was 5-1 and one the week prior. Now on the season overall, I am 14-8, and eight, red hot these last couple of weeks, so feeling very, very confident going into week four. Here are my week four picks. Remember, every week I'm picking the Bengals, the Washington football team, the Saints, the Raiders, the Lions, and the Colts, all of those games because those teams boast the most Buckeyes in the NFL. In addition to those games, I pick Sunday night football and Monday night football. So game number one, Sunday at one, it's the Saints at the Lions. So two of the teams I pick every week playing each other. My pick is the Lions plus four in that game. Something about the Saints this season. I feel like I've harped on it a little bit every week. I just don't trust the Saints. I don't feel like they're the team they used to be. They have all the talent in the world, but I think Drew Brees has really fallen off. I don't know if he can get the football to his weapons outside of Alvin Kamara, who's been fantastic this season. 
It remains to be seen if Michael Thomas will be available this week for the Saints. If he is, I don't think it's going to matter. I think the Lions are due. I think they cover the four points in this game, and I would not be surprised to see them beat the Saints outright. So my pick in game one is the Lions plus four. Game number two, Sunday at one, the Colts at the Bears. You already heard my prediction in my conversation with Wyatt Crozier. I think the Bears are going to beat up on the Colts, beat them big with Nick Foles as their starting quarterback. My pick in that game is the Bears plus three. Game number three, also Sunday at 1 Eastern, the Jaguars at the Bengals. My pick in that one, the Bengals by three, so Bengals minus three in that game. I think Joe Burrow is due. I think he was very, very close in that game against the Eagles. The work that he's done at quarterback deserves a win. I think the Bengals get it this week against the Jaguars at home in Cincinnati. Game number four, also Sunday at 1 Eastern, it's the Raven, the Ravens rather visiting the Washington football team. The Ravens heavy favorites in that game, 13 and a half point favorites. I'm going to go with the Ravens. I think they're going to follow up their Monday night loss to Kansas City with a vengeance. I think they're going to want to pummel Washington. Dwayne Haskins threw three interceptions against the Browns this past week. I think he struggles against the Ravens defense. They've got a good D, obviously a darn good offense led by Lamar Jackson. So my pick, the Ravens minus 13 and a half. Game number five, Sunday at 425 Eastern. So getting started with the late games now, it's the Bills at the Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders are three-point home underdogs in that game. My pick is the Raiders plus three. The Bills nearly blew a massive lead against the Rams last week. I think John Gruden plans for Josh Allen. I think he has the Raiders ready to play at home. I think they beat the Bills outright and cover that three points. So again, the pick in game five, the Raiders plus three. Now on to Sunday night football. It's the Eagles at the 49ers. I think going into this season, the plan was that this was going to be a huge game with two stacked teams. Well, the Eagles haven't looked the part this season. The 49ers really, really banged up right now. The 49ers won big against the Giants in Week 3, but I think the Eagles bounce back and cover 7 points in Week 6. So my pick is the Eagles plus 7 for Sunday night football. I think a touchdown for the 49ers is just too much against the Eagles. Then the last pick of the week, Monday Night Football, it's the Falcons at the Packers. The Packers were able to beat the Saints this past week as an underdog. I thought that was an easy, easy pick, to be completely honest. But the Falcons, seven and a half point underdogs this week in Green Bay against the Packers. I think the Falcons are due. Something's got to give for Atlanta. I think they cover this week. I don't know if they win, but I think it's going to be a game on Monday Night Football. I don't expect it to be a blowout. So my pick, the final game of the week, Monday Night Football, pick number seven is the Falcons plus seven and a half. So again, five and one two weeks ago, five and two last week, 14 and eight overall on the season. Feeling hot right now, hoping to stay hot going into week three. Make sure to get those picks in online at betonline.ag. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Believe in Ohio State. Again, thanks very much to Wyatt Crocher for joining me to preview the Ohio State defense heading into the 2020 season. And as always, thank you for joining me on this week of Believe in Ohio State. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. 
The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.